Hi and welcome to the 42 Rugby Podcast. I'm Murray Kinsella. I'm here in the 42 newsroom and I'm delighted to be joined by Trevor Hogan, former Leinster, Munster and Ireland lock. We're going to look back at the Wales draw last weekend and look forward to the big match in Paris this weekend against France. Through any of the success of our triple crowns and then you know, finally winning the Grand Slam and then capturing the you know, back-to-back Six Nations titles the last two years, you know he's been a, a, had a pivotal role in all of that uh, as a player, but probably more so as a leader. First of all, I guess we got to talk about Paul O'Connell. You know the guy well. You were there probably in Munster when he was first establishing yeah. himself. What was he like back in those days? It's he, he's very much the same as he was, has been through all his career. Like when he, one of the things the lads know how, how young he was, but he was a leader from from the start, and he had that influence on everyone around him, regardless of his age. I remember in the early days, he nearly had the same presence as Mick Galway and Peter Clossy, which was just weird. Mm. You know that that's someone that young would have that same um, impact as those guys. And he had this influence on everyone around him, despite being that young. Um, but it's hard to sum him up in, in words, what uh, effect he's had. Yeah. You know, it's just that fact that he was so self-effacing, he was so grounded, unassuming, yet unbelievably ambitious and driven and competitive. You know, to have that combination, you know, he just constantly would expect more out of himself and by by being that nature it just provoked the same reaction mm. in everyone that was around him like we talk about his personality so much i think that obviously stands out the leader the, the character everyone speaks about that everyone who comes across him but like he evolved as a player so much as, as his career went on i think the biggest uh, biggest reward for him was getting that six nations player of the year, year even last year i mean that's phenomenal for a guy of his age he, he seemed yeah. to had skills as he went through his career. That's some achievement, isn't it? Like to get that towards the end. And, yeah. But that was that was probably as a result of the type of person the character is. That he's always looking to improve certain aspects of the game. Mm. I always remember him like in pre seasons, he'd be focusing on losing weight, losing uh, fat to get leaner. You know, constantly looking ways to, to get his physique in the right possible position to produce. And that yeah. would change as it went along. And obviously, training regimes would change. Because and that kind of frustrated him because I could tell, you know, he loved being able to clean and snatch and do all this stuff in the gym and being a real power athlete and driving on the standards there. Yeah. And towards later in his career, he wasn't able to do that. But it all came down to getting the best out of himself for the pitch, which is what it was about. You know, at the same, the one thing to say about him though is that he was such great crack, and yeah. he'd always had time for the young lads, and always was interested in getting the stories and getting the the humour. You know, when we talk about him, it sounds like he's just an absolute psychopath, but <laughs> he was really funny and he was just really great to be around. And people wanted to 
in a way, you wanted to impress him. You wanted to make an impact on him because that kind of, you know, just made you feel like you were actually doing something worthwhile if you yeah. got a recognition from him. Yeah, like he, he was a pleasure, I'd say, to work with a, as a journalist because in the modern era, yeah. players are probably closed off. They don't actually want to talk to guys that much. Like he would have given you five minutes after a presser to have a bit off the record stuff, yeah. to talk about Toulon, maybe say a, a negative thing about a teammate, but an honest thing. So, so I really always appreciate that. Like yeah. his personality, his tactical awareness and that understanding of personalities, it seems to set him up nicely to move into coaching maybe. Do you think it's something that he could excel in? Oh, definitely. Um, if there's one player you could think of over the last couple of generations to be a brilliant coach, it would be him. Um, it, like Even in his statement, he's retired. Like He mentions young Munster, first mm. off. He's very heavily inf involved in the club game, you know, which tells me that this is someone who really loves the game. I mean, I was down with Nina, we were playing Sunday as well. We saw Paul O'Connell there, who has links to Sunday as well. You know, just watching the game, watching the warm-up, came over talking to me afterwards how was I finding it just chatting away chatting away with all the other Nina and Sunday as well players after the match you know he's just the most down to earth player but that takes you can see an opportunity to learn in the in the AIL club standard mm. that would bring him in that he can use himself so you know the level of analysis he employed as a player on an eye out alone you know just yeah. it showed that he was someone that's you know, it would be an absolute waste if he doesn't get into coaching. I think heard him saying there that, you know, he wasn't ruling out the prospect of possibly coming back to Munster at some stage, and, you know, when he's got his bit more experience under yeah. the belt. I think fans are dreaming of himself and Ron O'Gara coming back, the magic yeah. duo. Yeah. It would be spectacular. It would be unreal, <laughs> in fairness, and it's probably something that will happen at some stage, but, yeah. yeah. He, seems like the guy, he seems like the guy who, who would go away and, and learn his trade, though. Like, he talks yeah. about guys going over to France, getting those experiences. Even the fact that he was going over there to play, I feel it's kind of tying into, look, there's life after rugby, me going away, living in France, not only for myself, for my family, yeah. it's a new experience, it's, it's something different. He, he's just, yeah, a strong personality, and he's I, guess, yeah. I guess the hope is that he's going to be kept in Irish rugby some, in some way. Well, that's the thing. If, he, if he's not, then it would be, you know, a, ma a, a massive loss. The wealth of not and the presence that he has, it has to be some way brought back involved to keep another generation of lads who haven't uh, worked with him you know, keep that going for another cycle. Ball is controlled, Murray, McGrath. They'll throw the big bodies at it. They have men out wide, Murray doesn't use them, Murray is there! Davies feeds, and Wales get a momentum again, and away comes Faletau, and he's put his arm over, and he grounds the ball, and Wales have their first try. And now it's... Johnny Sexton, who 18. will be Off given side. the opportunity to bring the side to level. Sexton, it's a long way out, but it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. 16 points apiece as we head towards the final five minutes. Just looking back at last weekend, I guess in the stadium, the sense afterwards in the media room, even with Joe himself, Joe Schmidt, was that, you know, this is a good result, this is positive, encouraging. When you look back at the game, when you reflect on it, is it still the same same feeling or is it a missed chance? Um, I think, yeah, there, there, there will be feelings that that patch before half-time, those eight minutes, if they could have defended that short side better or if they could have exited after the kick-through from Davies, that they were in a really strong position going into the second half and well, and whether Wales would have got another opportunity, they could have maybe tightened up those areas in the scrum that they actually did in the second half. I think on reflection, they will be really annoyed about that, but the fact that they managed to turn that 16-13 around, 
get the 16 all. Now that final penalty as well was kind of lucky for Ireland to equalise with a great kick from Sexton. But they'll be just happy to get the draw because their momentum had shifted big time. Yeah. You know, from that period just before half time. Yeah, like the, that first 30 minutes was exceptional, I thought. It, yeah. They maybe m missed a bit of Paul O'Connell's leadership maybe in that 10 minutes afterwards where you've got that 13 0 lead, you've you got to kind of just sit on it, just be solid. They made two mistakes. I think there was a poor line out on, on yeah. the left touch line. Murray box kicked straight into touch. Then there was a tip tackle over the far side. Just a little bit of, yeah. I don't know, shakiness, mental shakiness maybe. That's probably what they'll talk about this week. And, and it, you know, it has been a, um, an element that's haunted them a little bit since the All Blacks game. Is mm. When you're in a strong position, being able to control it, yeah. those aspects. And as well, maybe defensively as well, that we were a little bit tight on that short side. Okay. I know you highlighted it as well yesterday. That's something we can't afford uh, against the French. And Schmidt said it himself. So that spacing and that's the kind of scanning of the, the players in D not to give opportunities in the wider channels, to give opposition a foothold. You know, it will happen that they'll have the possession, yeah. but don't give them the territory to, to be able to punish it. Yeah, like we talked about that in the, in the analysis piece, looking back at the game. Like, how hard is it for forwards? Say you've had to retreat 30 metres off the pitch and then you find yourself on the outside edge. Is it really difficult to get your step in there? Is that just, is that work rate, is it? Oh yeah, no, I saw that was a great piece. Like sometimes you'll have Rory Best, who isn't that slow, but ideally if you can get stander outside him. Mm. But if it happens off turnover, if it happens off we, when we lose an aerial battle, there's a split second to change there. And if if it's a risk Ireland do commit to is the, the counter rock, the barge yeah. and the choke tackle, if that doesn't come off, you have got a split second as a, as a front five to get yourself into a comfortable position, you know. Okay. So that's where it's, it's most unlikely to happen is to be able to shift when it's off turnover. Yeah. And in that scenario, you're better off just holding your, your zone. Okay. But that's when, you know, they can be seriously punished with the gas that the French will have. Yeah, absolutely. They look, they just love the weight. They love having yeah. a bit of depth. And they'll, they'll move the ball really well there. You mentioned the tie five forwards and the scrum, like three penalties, uh, three scrum penalties and a try. I mean, that's the kind of, that's where the try came from. It was a weakness all day. Like Joe Schmidt has talked about Welsh illegality again this year. They always do. Yeah. Where do you think the issue was? Was it just a tight head problem? Was it was it a collective unit thing? I think it was largely on, on, on our tight head side and possibly the, the Welsh loose head. Evans was, you know, it's a little trick that all loose heads do and Nathan White will be familiar with it. But he just kind of kicks his hips out and his, his left foot comes out and he tries steps to step out. steps around. Okay. And if, if they have the momentum from the engage, from the hit, that little step will create the picture. And if they're tight head and what Samson Lee was doing was coming in on the hooker, that will create that momentum, that yard or two. And it just meant that for those two, two or three scrums, Wales were going forward. Okay. And it just, there was, there was a potential that was going to be a penalty try if it didn't squirt out there. Yeah. Um, That's probably why Tommy O'Donnell has to keep his head down so much because you need eight scrummaging in that instance. Absolutely, you need all eight staying down and especially, you know, you need the tight head to try and it's, uh, it's very hard as a second row or anyone that's not been a prop but the yeah. tight head, he has two options. He, has to go, he can go in on their, on their hooker but that can give the loose head that chance to step around. So if he can stay straight and stay square and even get his right shoulder up that stops that loose head trying to cheating around the corner there. Okay. That's what they did. I think Roy Best mentioned it after the match. They rectified it in the second half. Mm. That Nathan White just stayed square and straight and got that right shoulder up and stopped Evans from coming around. Okay. Um, 
so that was, but there was the point the damage was done. You know, yeah, like one of the interesting aspects of that Irish scrum is that the second row was changing. Like we always focus on the props. It's natural enough to focus on Nathan well after his game, but like Paul O'Connell isn't behind him anymore. Uh, I think yeah. Dev switched over to to the tight head lock side, and he was loose head previously. Yeah. Like how important is that role, or, or how difficult is it for a lock? Is it, is it extra it, workload there? It's it's very difficult. The tight head lock is generally your strongest scrummaging lock, whoever it's going to be. And uh, Paul O'Connell was definitely we were talking about him there. He was the most aggressive, solely fo focused on scrum lock that you'll come across. Yeah. You know, I, I had, I played with him at an underage level. I remember coming off a field, and one of my one of the props, the, the prop that was ahead of him, was actually loose at the time. O'Connell actually apologised to him for not giving him enough that day. Yeah. You know, that was at a trial game, yeah. uh, under 21 level, back in the day. Like, that was the nature of the man. But he just prided himself on giving absolutely everything to his prop. Not being honest about it, not all second rows are probably as, as driven as that, mm. but it is crucial. The tight head lock has to be able to stay on his prop. It can be a problem if the, if the tight head is under pressure and he's having to, to battle with a loose head that's coming around him, you can lose that connection. Okay. And then, you know, you have nothing behind it. Well, not saying nothing, but you're losing that, that ideal driving position. So. It's something that they will probably focus on this week, but I think the real real area though was the the, the technique of the props themselves. Okay. I, th I think my instinct would be Mike Ross is fit again. He trained with Leinster. He's he's ready to play. He's a guy who's come in on short notice with little game time and done a really good job for Joe Schmidt. He's started nearly all the games under Joe yeah. Schmidt. Do you, do you put him in there? Do you is it a risk putting him in there against a French front row of Aguirado, yeah. Benaru, Slimani? They're world class. Exactly, you know, it is possibly out of nowhere, but Ross, Mike Ross, he's called call a pinner. He's an absolute pinner. He's out and out, locked that down. Mm. You know, it's his, his, it's his, it's his, all his life, like it's, yeah. it depends on pinning that scrum, that tight head side of it down. So he will give you that. Um, the one thing I would say, Nathan White did well around the field. He did. You know, he yeah. pulled some lovely screen passes, which they passes, are, yeah. yeah, behind the back to, to Sexton at, uh, or Murray. He has some great ability in the loose. That's play. the Kiwi prop. <laughs> the Kiwi prop. But it seems to be a, a little tweak. Ireland are adding this Six Nations yeah. to add a little bit more width. So White does, and he carried well in general as in the 22 too. So, you know, it's a trade off, but I think it'll, it will. Yeah, someone's going to have to be able to deal with Slimani and Benarus. Yeah. You know, it was those three that might raise a doubt. And if Mike Ross is there, he's an absolute pinner. So, you know, it'd be hard to say. Yeah, you got to weigh those things up because. Mm -hmm. I think in the World Cup, like Ireland, the front row forwards passed the, almost the least of any of the top tier nations. It, it's just not something they've done. So, do you do you go and use that again, or do you go really solid and set piece orientated in France? It, it's a, it's a big call. Yeah, it is. It's it's something they'll be discussing at length this week. Yeah. I don't know what the focus. Would, I'd say will be looking at French game last week. Their set piece is something we can actually target. Mm. You know, in terms of their mall defence was was yeah. quite poor. So if we have good focus on that area it could mean that Mike Ross might be coming back into the mix there yeah let's talk about them all a bit more because we didn't see too many chances for Ireland I think there was one in the second half early in the second half where they mauled them about 20 meters yeah I think Stander lost the ball it was a strip later on in that passage and then there was the, they nearly scored off a try in the first half on that yeah. peel really smart move that that kind of thing is encouraging to see because 
Yeah. Look back to 2014, they were doing quite a bit of that, and it seems to have faded maybe out of the game a bit. Yeah, well, I think it's because our teams know, and, and Wales especially, would have known that Irish Mall is one of their big weapons, mm. and that they were going to defend it. If you're focused on it, you'll defend it well, and it's, a lot of it is mindset when it comes to defending the mall. So if teams are able to defend it, you have to have variations, and that peel, that was yeah. class, just in an area that they would be expecting the, the mall, the, over traditional, the line, yeah. traditional, maybe even a shift drive, but they actually just went with a peel and used standard yeah. coming around the back, which means they're they're having to have their seven aware or whoever's at the back of the line they have to be aware yeah. of that, and it just gives, creates an extra element of doubt. Yeah. Whether the French are even doing you know much video work on this is questionable. I, I think Novez is on the record is saying he's not really an iPad coach, and he called it. Yeah, he's not really massive on that. So that's an advantage for Andy. Well, I think so, yeah. And uh, Maestri, you know, you, you, you don't, he doesn't strike you as someone that does a lot of homework. He do, yeah. He's aggressive. Yeah. He, he, they don't have Pape around there. I would have sensed that he was possibly their main line out defensive. So there could be opportunities for Ireland to vary, you know, or even just go back to that traditional mall this weekend. Mm. Hopefully, hopefully, we see a bit more of that. Like the line out, obviously, you have to win your line out possession first to get that yeah. mall going. Um, again, you're looking at guys who aren't there. Peter O'Mahony, particularly he was really prominent for Ireland and always has been in the line out maybe underappreciated a little bit especially on the defensive side of the game what what did you see from Ireland in, in terms of filling those shoes oh look it was it was something that he's the, again a man who doesn't get enough probably credit he has yeah. been a real option for us defensively in line and it seems like he on five mans he's the guy standing in front of Toner and then behind Tony you'll have Mike McCarthy. So it's the mirroring option. He's the most crucial guy. He's got to read uh, whether to whether to go with that front option, whether to lift Dev, whether he has to come and come back again onto Dev. Mm. It was the one that Mahoney pulled off because he can pull it off so well with a single lift at the front. Yeah, he slip has that um, similar athleticism now, and he's he's been very experienced in reading lineouts, and it's something he pulled one or two off the weekend. Uh, I think Stander actually got one. A yeah, he got a steal well. actually in the second half. I think it was yeah. So there is guys that are stepping into that role. I don't think he'll ever replace Omani. He's probably the, one of the best um, single lift options that we have ever had. Yeah. You know, maybe Alan Quinlan back in the day, but uh, Omani was is you know one of the best we've ever had. And yeah. But he's the, you know he's really stepping in there now. Yeah. So like single lift, literally one man at the front. I guess it just yeah. frees up so many. It other does. options at the back well especially in a shorter man if it's a five or a six you'll free up a whole pod then on dev okay. that can just focus on looking after any of the movement behind yeah and leave he's the but he's the then has the ability if it's not on he can still return but it's it requires lots of core lots of spring explosive power and, and a good lifter in front of you yeah which jack mcgrath is and healy to be able to hold the, the guy on his own yeah like ireland's own ball their own throw into line out last weekend like the return was good like the success rate but that never really tells the full story I think they lost one but there were other shaky moments and, and France have good jumpers I think Shuli is a really good defensive yeah. line out player do you think it's a, a throwing issue do you think it's a, a calling issue maybe or just a lack of familiarity in the, in the line out there's a combination there I'd say as well they were up against Wynne Jones and Charteris yeah. you know they were very very competitive you know I do think, yeah, you're saying Shuley. Uh, Shuley stole one last year, I remember, a crucial one mm. in the Six Nations on us. He has pinched a few. Um, I don't think they'll be as sharp on, on in the air as, as the Welsh. So, But it was it was a combination of a few things. They still won the ball. Possibly the delivery is something they can, you know, they can tighten up on. But 
No, generally, I think it was it was it was a solid solid lineup performance. Yeah, like summing up all that set piece, like it is going to be massive. There's other elements to the game, obviously that narrowness in defence from Ireland and spreading the pitch. Do you think this is going to be a more difficult test match than, than against Wales, or do they, do Ireland yeah. need to greatly improve, or or just hit another performance level similar to that? I'd say you'd have to take all the, taking it all the six day turnaround in, into account. Yeah, it's probably going to be more difficult now. I would say, but. You have a French team as well, possibly under pressure after a poor enough performance. Yeah. Scraping by Italy, probably should have lost. Take that into account as well. You know, in a way, the, the Welsh maybe complacency helped us. Uh, that brilliant start. It's always harder to produce, and this is the challenge for Ireland throughout the years: is to produce back-to-back -back big performances. You know, mm. it was our big problem in the World Cup. They might be able to, you know, even use that as motivation this week. They produced hugely against France and fell a little flat then against Argentina. Can they back it up again this week? They'll have the break the following week. I think it's a bigger challenge nearly because of that. all those factors, the six-day turnaround and the bodies that are going to be wrecked. Yeah. Um, I guess finally, coming into the Six Nations, I know I was probably pessimistic and that was the, the general mood, I guess. I don't know how you were feeling about it, but after that first game and building into the France game, where do you stand? Do you think, are, are you more optimistic about what Ireland can do? I'd always be generally optimistic, you know, I, 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 I sense the doom and gloom around and uh, definitely around the province so you can understand that, but the optimism when we have Sexton on the field, mm. largely is always going to like, you know, he, form maybe dipped slightly for, for Leinster, but he, he just produces in the big games. If we had Sexton and you could say O'Connell against Argentina, um, you know, it could have been a completely different yeah. story. Like. Um, I think, yeah, in general, I'd be positive that they can produce this. Whether we can do it again against England and get yeah. the, the historic one, I, I'm not sure. That's a tricky fixture. Yeah. Well, look, loads more to look forward to. Thanks a million for chatting to us and giving us a bit of insight. So, no really appreciate it. Sound, Cheers. Okay, thanks. Thanks.